welcome to Still Listening. We are back with you after a few months away, um, but we're back with a vengeance. Indeed, indeed. This month we're looking at Extinction. We've spoken to Oxford-based visual artist Tony Lorenzo and the Brighton-based singer-songwriter Philly Kay. Both of these guys dedicate their time to making us aware of the threats the natural world faces. For those of you who don't know, well, the way Still Listening works is basically us starting a conversation with an artist. We approach them about their work, they send us some work, we edit with them, and uh, somewhere in the intervening period we also interview them, not only about their work, but the topics that their works focus on and the themes that naturally come from that. What we're talking about today is a new exhibition by Tony Lorenzo titled Extinction. And it's absolutely stunning. What it is, is essentially he's taken extinct or soon-to-be-extinct animals and sketched them his way, which is very realistic, ultimately, but with these incredible splashes of color. They're really striking, and if you want to take a look at what we mean, uh, please go to either cargocollective.com slash Tony Lorenzo Drawings, or visit us on our own website, where we'll be hosting Tony's pictures. Uh, They're really, really striking, and... Uh, are an absolutely amazing set piece to have this kind of conversation. Another thing you should know is that we actually visited Tony at his desk, which in this case actually is the Oxford Cafe itself. Um, It's really great, I think, to see him there in his natural space and to see the way that he basically has just spread himself across the table and is doing uh, another variation of these really incredible drawings and so naturally and, you know, so nonchalantly uh, is really, really cool. Um, of course, being a cafe, you'll notice it is a bit busy, um, but hopefully that doesn't take away from the fact that this is a person doing his art in public and trying to share it with the public, and it's just really cool. We hope you enjoy. These drawings are beautiful, like the colours like really really stand out, they're really eye-catching. So one is really like drawn into them. Um, and so in that way I find them kind of a celebration but also a warning. Is there any particular kind of response that you're hoping from people? When I started doing the stink animals was because mainly um, you know that age between three and eight years old when you got your parents telling you fairy tales during the night to make you sleep. My father never, never told me fairy tales. He was all the time speaking about animals because I was said before, um, I'm coming from a place that got animals from the mountains, animals from the sea. And he was all the time talking to me about animals that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, in your mind, you, it's like when you are reading a book and you have to create a base of the character when you are reading. I was creating the, the animals in my head. So, I suppose when, I, when I, I took the watercolors for the first time, when I was reading them, I was like six years old, I remember, that they bought me like a, a big suitcase with a lot, a lot, a massive amount of colors. So I was all the time trying, oh, this, this one should be this color, this one should be that color. And they never said to me... Because of how it was in your head? Yeah. yeah. They never said to me, oh, this animal is not this color. It was like, mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> so it's something you're seeing in them, but also something you, maybe they're emanating to you. Yeah, it's kind of, they call it, I felt that that was really interesting to give uh, warm colours to an animal that is giving you 
warm feelings. That's why I never do grasshoppers because I've got a phobia of grasshoppers. <laughs> and probably if I draw a grasshopper, it will be something black and evil. Yeah. And I've been Maybe unrecognisable. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told that grasshoppers are really nice, but no. <laughs> something that is far away of my idea of a nice animal to live with. So no grass, no sketches of grasshoppers in the future. No, in the in the exhibition before I had a self-portrait at the beginning as an explanation of the collection, I and mean, I did uh, the shape of my head, a self-portrait of my head, and inside you can see the shadow of a grasshopper. Mm. And people were like, you are morbid because we know that you hate grasshoppers but you did that inside your head. And I was like, it's the only animal that I'm keeping in there and not sharing with people. I cannot share that animal with people at all. Like the shadowy side to yourself, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. <laughs> so could you talk us through the animals that are in this collection and why you chose them? The first part of the collection then uh, I've got another part that are animals that are close to be extinct, that mm -hmm. are in danger. Mm -hmm. Like people are seeing the pandas and they're saying, oh the pandas, pandas, you've got pandas everywhere in every single city. But the thing is that the pandas are themselves, is that I think the count is like 2,500 total in the whole world. So you've got the pandas, you've got a time of a goat that is from Afghanistan, that is 2,500 as well, roughly. Mm -hmm. You've got the selacanthus, it's a kind of a fish that is a dinosaur that they thought that was extinct because they found the fossils of the dinosaur. Oh, wow. And then suddenly in the Sea of China, they found them in the deepest part of the sea. So it's an animal that was extinct for a while. Yeah, and I think I saw this on the news. Yeah, it's like not happening <laughs> like a long time ago. But the thing is that they discovered that the ones that were left are dying because we are destroying the environment where they are living, mm -hmm. all the sea that they are living. And also the third part are dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. So those are were my favourite animals when I was a kid. I mean, I was <laughs> obsessed with them. The first time that I went to cinema, the first, the very first time, I remember my father came from work. He said, we are going to cinema. It was already like 10 o'clock at night time. And my mom was like, why are you going to see him? He was like, oh, Jurassic Park. So I went to the opening of that movie. And I'm really glad to say that my first movie was not The Lion King or The Beauty and the Beast. It was Jurassic Park. So basically, it's a, the collection, yeah, it's about animals, but it's as well as a part of my life since I was like mm -hmm. a kid. Every time that I'm checking the, the dinosaurs, I'm, I'm remembering that first time in the cinema with my father. And every time that I'm checking the, the stink animals, I'm thinking about the nights when my father was telling me that fairy tales. Mm -hmm. That suddenly I'm becoming a normal fairy tales recently because there's a lot of animals that are being destroyed, mm -hmm. devastated by, by people. And it's a stupid. It's a, a kind of fish that was living just in one river in America. And when the, the Americans were obsessed with finding the gold of Montezuma, 
they thought that down the river was a treasure. So they cut the river, they drained the water, they killed all the fishes that just lived in that river, mm-hmm. and they find that there was no good, and they destroy a kind of fish that is not existing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's by drawbacks. But before a certain um, period of time, like before the 1900s, it was unusual for one species to go extinct in yeah. one person's lifetime. My hometown, the sea of my hometown, uh, is uh, warm. The water is really warm. Mm-hmm. We are trying to increase the whole of the year. We've got avocados, bananas, and mangoes the whole year. But by the sea, we've got all the time the same kind of fishes. I, I don't know how to name them. English. Okay. I know the names in Spanish. Yeah. But like the seventy-five percent of the fishes that went in that sea by the time that I was eight years old mm-hmm. are gone. Really? I remember two years ago I went for my to my hometown. I, I was just doing this scuba diving because mm-hmm. I used to do that with my father all the time. And I, I remember I was trying to look for the species that were there when mm-hmm. I was a kid. You've got some tropical fishes there? Tropical fishes that don't belong to the Mediterranean Sea. Right, and they you think they've been introduced for well, tourism? Yes. Or? No, Sorry. you know, you know the, the shops where they selling fishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they broke, they released the animals by the sea. Oh, okay. It's like that thing that you, you can watch in The Simpsons when they go to Australia. Mm-hmm. And they go with the frogs, and suddenly the frogs are eating everything <laughs> and killing the animals that live in there. Yeah. Having the same thing. I know that the, the tropical fishes are really tiny, yeah. are really aggressive for the mm-hmm. fishes that belong to the place mm-hmm. that they belong. Well, it's dangerous to introduce something that wasn't naturally there. There's really no good effect of it, is there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's so many people working around them because uh, we, we've got Sebrona, that is a uh, kind of police for animals today. Mm-hmm. They are really strict and they are looking after every single animal that mm-hmm. we got there. But even with that, there's so many corruption about how to treat the environment and stuff. If they want to do a hotel, they would have to burn the forest where they want to put the hotel and then they got the, the rights to put the hotel there. Mm-hmm. Do they face a lot of resistance? Yeah. yeah. It's hard for them to have control over everything. Yeah. We cannot mm-hmm. control everything. We cannot look after everything because you will have hunters that belong to tiny towns that mm-hmm. think that they got the rights to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, every time that you you changed the channel, you had the option to see documentary. I remember watching the documentaries and saying to myself, I really hope that my my sons or my daughters are going to see these animals and suddenly every year they got in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. This animal is extinct. This animal was killed. The last the last animal of this race was killed yesterday. Mm-hmm. And there you think it was. So there might be animals that your kids are only imagining. Yeah. That are existing now. That's why I said the, the fairy tale is getting mm-hmm. longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that it's getting longer because mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a fairy tale, it should, should be something that really exists. Do you know of any conservation projects or like activism surrounding this? So we've got a really, really important project with these dogs in Spain. So mm-hmm. they are untouchable. Even the nest is untouchable. Mm-hmm. You cannot touch anything that is in relationship with that. What happened? That animal 
is uh, not in danger, mm -hmm. but is the amount of birds that you've got there are getting lower and lower. Because instead of, you know, the, the, the hot weather is making them to not to stop there all the time. Yeah. So at the beginning you have them everywhere, and suddenly instead of stopping in there, they are going straight to Africa. Because they say, well, it's as hot mm. here as a hot that is in Africa, so let's Why go. Yeah, let's go straight <laughs> to Africa. That's it. But they are protected. You cannot touch anything that is in relationship with them. Mm -hmm. the, the flamingos mm -hmm. are untouchable. The lynx is untouchable. The the American goat. Mm -hmm. There's a goat with the horns. Like the horns, yeah, the one you've drawn. That one is untouchable. You cannot mm -hmm. touch anything that is in relationship with that mm -hmm. animal. So, in some way, they are focused on, on few animals that are quite important because they are not just national ones. Mm -hmm. But I suppose that we should be aware of the national ones in every single nation instead of being focused what is better for us, yeah. being focusing on what is better for the environment to all of us living mm -hmm. all together. Mm -hmm. If you don't have some kind of animals, like the bees for example, if you don't have bees in my hometown, my hometown is really dry, mm -hmm. so every summer there's danger of fire, and it happens a lot, a few times. The bees are helping to spread the seeds and the pollen of the, of the flowers. So if something is burnt, they help for that to grow again. Mm. If you don't have bees, there's no forest. If you don't have forest, when it's raining, all the water is creating uh, damages in mm -hmm. the cities. Mm -hmm. If you put damages in the cities, everywhere, everything is finishing in the sea. Mm -hmm. And if everything is finishing in the sea, we've got contamination that don't allow another animals to live. Everything mm -hmm. is like... Well, it affects the economy eventually. Everything. And, yeah. Everything yeah. is connected. My hometown is Granada, so you've got close to that. In England, for example, yeah. By the way, I, yeah. I checked when I came. Yeah. Cucumbers and cherry tomatoes are from my hometown. Are they really? Yeah, I, I checked the invoices when I was working in the old company. Uh -huh. I checked the invoices and they were coming from my hometown. Mm -hmm. If you're going to my hometown and you are checking the cucumbers and the tomatoes... Well, we can grow cucumbers yeah. here as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And cabbage and potatoes okay. and everything. Yeah. If you are going to my hometown and you are checking where the cucumbers are coming, mm -hmm. they are coming from Jordania. And it's like, why do we get cucumbers from Jordania if we've got cucumbers here? And why do the English people get cucumbers from my hometown? Grow cucumbers in here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just money. It's just money. Just money. That money is creating more plastic. That is affecting more mountains. That is affecting more rivers. That is affecting more, or will be extinct as well sooner or later. Yeah. What role do you think art plays? Well, in art, you can create a dialogue between. The person that is seeing the art uh, and the person that is uh, creating the art. Because everybody that looks at something like this isn't just going to look at it, they're going to say, why? Because these are unusual. No, loads, loads of people. I didn't put the explanation on, on the drawings, but mm -hmm. by the bottom of the drawings, you've got the dates of the animals when they disappear. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people coming saying, what is that, the, the time that they were born? And I was like, no, it's the time that they pass away mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people during the day that are asking me how, how this one disappeared, how that one disappeared. And the, the answer is all the time the same one. We did. 
process, yeah. It was not by itself, we did. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it's made an impact at the time that it's been here then? Uh, at least for my regular. Some of the people are buying that to kids, to family. Uh, so it's going to the people that you want it to go to? Yeah, it's going really just cool. to people that can pay it. Yeah. It's people that want that to care. buy it. So, when, when someone is coming to me and saying, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to have a baby next mm -hmm. month, so I'm buying this to put that in his room. Aww. And it's like, oh, your baby's going to grow up with an animal in his room. Yeah. That doesn't, doesn't exist. So at mm -hmm. least till the joy is going to be displayed in that room, that yeah. is going to be asking. But he'll have that awareness. Concentrating on this all the time, does it make you feel low? Yes. No, no. Low all the time, you know, mm -hmm. but at least more focused. Yeah. Remembering what my father told me when I was a kid. Has your father seen these drawings? No, my father no. passed away when I was a kid. No, I'm sorry. So he passed away when I was 12, so the, the only thing that I'm really pleased is that he was teaching me about this, yeah. about the animals. I'm sure he would find it wonderful what you're doing. You know, when when he passed away, I remember they asked me because uh, he was he was living with my grandmother when he was a kid, and then when he grew up, he went to to a house with my mother. We were living with like a like a happy family. And suddenly, mm -hmm. when he passed away, I remember my grandmother asked me if I wanted something from the house that my father was living when he was a kid. And I would, I remember when I started drawing was because I saw. The sketchbook that my father had hiding in his room. It was about goats and animals that were living around my hometown. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was drawing really, really good, but he never showed his drawings. Mm -hmm. He was hiding that as a secret. Yeah. He never showed that to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, when when you are a little kid and you are going to a house that you don't know, mm -hmm. I'm the kind of kids that were looking after to find a shelter, something that was like hiding. To say it's like my treasure. <laughs> so I remember when I found I found the sketchbook, I hide it in a different place, mm -hmm. and I was like, "This is going to be my treasure." So last year, when I started doing the drawings, was when I received the note, the sketchbook with the drawings of my father, and I was really Aww. surprised that he was drawing so well, and he didn't yeah. show even to me that I was his son. Mm -hmm. Perhaps he was expecting me to be older too. Mm. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe he was drawing species that were alive. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them. And, but the more interesting thing is the species that he never saw. Mm -hmm. So at some point he had the same idea of seeing animals in the way that he thought that the animals were. They were alive inside his head too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's Tony Lorenzo. He's an amazing artist, and if you can, check him out in person. I absolutely recommend it. If not, don't forget, you can go to either cargocollective.com slash Tony Lorenzo Drawings, or you can visit our own website and check his art out on his biography. I really, really recommend that you see what these pictures are all about. Up next, we've got Philly Kay. Eva, would you mind telling us about Philly? Philly lives in Brighton. By day, she works for International Animal Rescue, campaigning and fundraising for animal welfare and conservation. And by night, she bears her soul in any pub or bar that will let her take to the mic. This piece combines her two passions, animals and music, 
as well as dealing with more difficult issues such as loss and guilt. This is Little Starling. a bird he lived in my tree and every morning would wake me from my dream singing sweetly please notice me a bird with such a sweet song but I never listened and now he is gone he's gone I found him on the floor and he's refusing to sing anymore the world it's far too dark Every morning would wake you from your dreams singing sweetly. Why won't you notice me? There was a burden, well, we got it all wrong. We never.
And that's it for us today. I'm your host, Zach Burke. And I'm Eva Hibbs. Thank you very much for listening. And if you're an artist that feels they have something to say, please, please do get in touch. You can get in touch with us at stilllisteningpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. Bye!